They marveled at your signs, your wonders. They thought you had died, but you saved the world. A sign, power, divine authority. Expect a miracle, believe for a miracle, receive for a miracle. And be responsible to manage your miracle. Where miracles are, there certainly God is. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome. What a blessing it is to know God. Have you ever just paused long enough to just say those words and really mean them? I know God. I had these, uh, these moments um, this week of just thinking about what would happen had we not planted this church six years ago. And I just began to kind of reflect on that, and, and I began to jot some things down, and one of them was this. Would the miracles that have occurred over the last six years have taken place? And my mind began to just kind of scan the crowd, and I, and I looked, and over there are the Coliseons, and she was told she couldn't have children, and now she has two. The doctor said, that's a miracle. And then the McDougals, and she couldn't have any children, now she has six when you pray too long. And then there's Katie and Carlos, ovarian cancer, said no children. Now they have three. I think about Skye with a, a brain tumor, the circumference of a grapefruit, gone in an instant. John Meredith, I, I began to just think about him and what would happen had the doctor's report been right. You have three months to live. And now, John is a miracle, a walking miracle. We could go on and on and on, and sometimes when miracles are replete among you, you begin to take them for granted. And I don't mean really take them for granted. I mean you go, yeah, that's what happens here. But it's a miracle of all that God has done. What would happen had we not started this church? How many people would not have been called into ministry? You know, when we started, I think... Uh, Tammy and I were the only two on staff that had ever had any ministry experience. And everybody else was like 23 and below. A lot of energy, not a lot of direction. But everybody was enthusiastic about what God was doing. Would the music that we have written, would it have ever been written? The album that went worldwide, number one, would that, those things ever happen? I began to think about would someone have picked up the task of supporting the Boys and Girls Club? Because until we did, no one was. I remember that day when Tammy and I sat down with the executive director and he said, all of our, all of our sources only come up with about a third of the Christmas that we want to provide for the families. And we said, we'll take the other two-thirds. We were only about a year old and it was a gutsy move, but it felt right when we realized 70% of those kids were classified homeless, meaning they're on the street, they're in an apartment, or they're living four to a single-family dwelling. We began to just partner with them. And then I wondered about who would pick up the slack because we sponsor probably somewhere around 100 of those kids to go to our camp every year. They found Christ. 
Wonder what generations will be changed because instead of a boy or a girl growing up in a home without Jesus, now they know the Lord and now they, they teach their children the ways of the Lord. And generationally, what difference have we made? I wonder what difference it would be if, if those of you found a meaningful relationship here in a, in a link group, in a fellowship group, had that not occurred and, and who knows the impact of the prayers of those people into your life? What would have been the big difference? And I began to think about it, and and the Lord just brought this thought to my mind. Your faith determines your destiny. Your destiny is not determined by fate. It's determined by your faith. And the pouring in and the praying through of people in your life, who knows the effect that'll have. If I reach back into history, into the 7th century B.C., there was a king of Babylon by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar was, was powerfully taking over all of that known world at the time. And he went into Jerusalem, and he took the best and the brightest there in that particular city. And one of those was a man by the name of Daniel. Daniel was brought back, and immediately he began to shine forth with a wisdom that was beyond Daniel, that was beyond the education of the Babylonians or the Persians altogether. And on one occasion, the king had a dream, and he needed an answer. And he called on his brightest in his kingdom, the magicians, the soothsayers, those who would uh, read the, the, the documents of the dead, and, he, and no one could find an answer. And then Daniel was brought forth. And listen to what Daniel records in the book. There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Do you realize there are mysteries on earth today in your life that no one can give you the answer for? There are things that can only be revealed by God in his spirit, through his spirit, to your heart and your spirit. There's some things that make no sense whatsoever. Daniel went on to say, he answered in the presence of the king and said, the secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, The astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And here Daniel stands like a pillar in the midst of all of these people, confused. They were all confused as to what do we tell the king? And Daniel gave the interpretation, and when he did, the king realized all of, all of the wise men of his kingdom were worthless, and he ordered their death. But Daniel interceded. He got in the way. He said, King, do not, do not kill them. Have mercy on them. Do you realize that the mercy of God works through you on behalf of all men, regardless of their political or religious background? We are called to be instruments of mercy, grace, and the power of God in our life. Amen? Now, let me show you the wisdom of God. So he spares the magicians. They would later be known to us in the biblical story as the Magi. They began in the 7th century with Daniel. Who knows what Daniel poured into their life? Who knows what secrets he revealed to them? But it was enough for generations to come that when the time came, they knew the sign of the star. They knew the story of the coming Messiah. There was all over the land a, a just a plethora of information coming forth that said, we want you to know that there is a Messiah coming. 
Suetonius, the Roman historian, said, there has spread over all the Orient an old and established belief that it was fated that at time for men coming from Judea would rule the world. Now, this is not in the Bible. These are Roman historians who are writing about what was the mood of the day. Tacticus said, another Roman historian, there was a firm persuasion that at this very time the East was to grow powerful and the rulers coming from Judea were to acquire a universal empire. Josephus, the Jewish historian, wrote, reports that about the time of Christ's birth the Jews believed that one from their own country would soon come to be the ruler of the earth. So God was preparing all of this, but it reached back at least 700 years. Do you realize that when you pray and you intercede and you pour your life into someone, you may not see the effect in them, you may not see the effect ever, but it may be generations to come that will be impacted by your prayers. You see, we discount the things that are most powerful in our life. We want to see immediate results, and God says, I work in generations. You think about minutes, and I think about thousands of years. You think about time, but I think about eternity. Everything I do is about eternity. Everything I do is about preparing you, my church, for an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Far beyond all you could ever ask or think or even imagine, God has stored up for you, and when you're faithful in the little things, God will make you in his eternal kingdom faithful over many things, great things. You see, miracles come from heaven to earth. As I began to think about this matter of of miracles, I realized that, that miracles all come from heaven. If we start with heaven, God brings miracles to earth, These miracles are supposed to multiply in our life so that people experience this miracle and they look to heaven for promises. The power of God revealed from heaven comes to earth. You multiply it. You share that with someone else. They acknowledge heaven, and they begin this cycle of seeing miracles coming from heaven. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, Where is he who was born the king of the Jews? How did they know that? How did these magicians know about a coming king of the Jews? And then they said, We have seen his star in the east, and we've come for one purpose, to worship Think about that. 700 years ago, started a fire, and the lives and generations were impacted. Generations to come were impacted. I wonder what fire you're starting today and don't even know it. What prayers have you prayed that will start and ignite a fire in the lives of people for generations to come? What prayers are you offering up that are going to change the course of human history? You do not know. Do never underestimate the power that God has put in you to affect the lives of people that are coming. You see, because God arranges people and circumstances. Did you ever stop and just look around the people that you know and you hang out with and ask yourself this question, I wonder if they were by divine appointment that God put them in my life. And was I a divine appointment for them in their life? That there's something about me, there's something about what I have, there's something about what I know that I can make a difference in people's lives and not even be aware of it. Because God is in the business of that. 
You see, God's timing is also perfect. Now, I think God is slow. Would you all agree? Have you ever been praying for something and you're going, let's go, God. I mean, do you know how it's now? It's a now moment. God's going, no, it's not now because if I give it to you now, if I answer it now, it's going to short circuit what I really want to do for you, through you, and for other people. Because God's timing is perfect. See, part of our faith is trusting the hand of God in his timing as well as in his delivery systems. We just trust God. Miracles are unlocked by obedience. I wonder what would happen had they not followed the star. Oh, Jesus still would have been born. There still would have been a celebration. But you see, they missed out on what God was doing. They couldn't see the miracle unlocked before their very eyes. And I really believe that there are things in your life and in my life that if we would just follow closer to God with greater levels of obedience, we would unlock more mysteries than we could ever imagine. You see, because God is not holding his fist tight to us and saying, you know, I won't. He's just saying, I want to. Will you trust me? Will you believe? Will you walk in faithfulness before me? You see, miracles come from heaven, but so do riches. Riches come from heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way that translation puts it, the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what grace is. Grace is when I get pulled over for speeding and they let me go. Right? Extravagant grace is when I'm found guilty for rebellion against the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he lets me go. And not only does he let me go, he calls me his son or his daughter. He fully restores, fully forgives me, and fully places me in a position of prominence in his kingdom as a son of the living God. That's grace. The extravagant grace of our Lord, that although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake so that by his poverty we could become rich beyond measure. Now, he wasn't saying that Jesus, the, 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 we get the idea that Jesus was just, he lived in, in abject poverty. He did not. By the standards of what we understand in Joseph, he probably would have lived about a middle-class lifestyle. But by comparison to coming from the glories of heaven to earth, there was nothing on earth that could compare with the glory that Jesus had experienced as a son of God in eternity. And what's amazing, it says that he became poor. He took on humanness. He took on poverty that we might become exceedingly rich. Do you realize you're rich? You're exceedingly rich right now? Exceedingly rich. Exceedingly rich. You're not just a little rich. You're exceedingly rich because you have experienced the forgiveness of God. You've experienced the promises of God. You have access to the Father, and one day all eternity is going to be at your fingertips. That's pretty amazing if you ask me. I began to realize that we don't really have riches. We experience riches. Nobody possesses anything. You can't possess rich riches. They're kind of on loan, aren't they, as long as you're alive. And then one day, what does he do? He says, uh, come with me, and I'm going to show you how real riches look. I'm going to take you from abject poverty on earth, and I'm going to show you riches. And in the process, he's going to say to us, why were you so caught up in that which was minor? Why did you love the things that were insignificant instead of the things that were significant? Why did you spend so much time on those things which are not going to change anyone's life or eternity? Let me show you. Let me give you a glimpse at this. 
You see, we don't have it. We experience it. You don't really have grace. You experience grace. You live in this grace. Every time you, you find someone who, who, who's done something wrong and you look the other way and you love them, you've, you've given grace. Every time you've judged them, every time you've been critical, you've taken away grace. When you take grace away from someone, you remove it from yourself first. This is a big principle. When you don't extend grace, you, you, you step out of grace circle and you don't experience it yourself. We see riches. I had this thought, riches increase in poverty. Do you realize that whenever I, I release something, I become a little poorer, but at the same time, I become richer. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to give something to somebody? You want to give them something, and they go, no, 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 that's okay. I don't need that. I don't want that. We had Rietta McPherson's from South Africa speak to us this past week, and, and uh, she came. She was out here uh, speaking at another place. I said, come on over and share with our staff. And, and so she came, and, and I wrote her a check, and I handed her a check. Oh, no, 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 I can't take this. And I said, you have to. It's a kingdom principle. What are you going to do now? It's more blessed to give than to receive. You ever, you ever, hasn't it been hard when someone wants to give you something? You go, no, it's okay. What you're really saying is, I am sufficient apart from your gift. But the reason it's more blessed to give is because there's something happens to us when we release. Now, for me, I, I like to take the app, and I have, I have part of my giving I do on the app, and it comes out every week, and I don't have to think about it. But the other one, I like to also write a check. You know why I like to write a check? Because I like to feel the pain. I do. I like to feel the pain. I don't write very many checks, but I do that. And, I, and when I write that check, I'm writing that check, and I'm going, ouch. If it's coming out automatically, I don't even think about it. But when I write that check, I have to go, God, you are God, and you are real, and you are sufficient in my life. So I got up this morning. I was writing a check, and I said, Lord, I'm going to write a check. And I, I said a, a certain amount, and he says, why don't you double that? Huh? I don't think I, I, God, I think you stuttered. What did you say, Lord? I said, yeah, I want you to double that number. And I thought to myself, why wouldn't I do that? Why would I even hesitate for the God who's given me everything, for the God who's promised me salvation? Do I, do I cling to his promises on salvation and ignore his promises on prosperity? Do I do that? Why do we select those promises of God that we like and we ignore those that we not, don't like or are unwilling to cooperate with? God wants us to move into the realm of full trust. Full trust means every area of my life is dependent on God. I don't trust him more in one or the other. I have to trust him in all things in all areas of my life. You see, when I release something, I gain something. I gain something, and God wants me to gain. You know, I, I received a text from one of our college students, and they said, uh, you know, I really want to go to Peru. And uh, many of you know that we're, we're doing a crusade in Peru. I'll be speaking at a, at a stadium with 30,000 people. We're joining up with others, and uh, about, about uh, 10,000 mission volunteers are going to descend on that country all in the course of a week, and they're expecting 5 million conversions for Jesus Christ. Now think about that. You say, well, have they ever done this before? Yeah, they had 1.8 million, I think, in Honduras two years ago. And so I, they said, what, do you, what ideas do I have? And I, and I said, well, you, can, you have a job? You can work. You have friends and relatives you can write a letter to. 
And I said, you need to talk to Jesse because she's our point on this area. And, and so go ahead and text Jesse and, and, and she'll work on that. And, and as I began to think about it, I realized that what we're trying to do is to send 100 people to Peru for the kingdom of God. And guess what? Some of you don't want to go to Peru, but you can write a check for Peru. And guess what? When those souls come in and those thousands of people are saved and one day the the books are, are taken into account and God brings in his great accountant in heaven and they look at your name and they say by there are thousands of people by your name were brought to faith in Christ. You say, wait a minute, I don't even remember leading one person to Christ in my lifetime. Oh, do you remember when you wrote the check for Peru? You remember that little 15-year-old kid that went? They led some people to Christ who led some people to Christ who started a movement of God that changed the course of the world. You led people to Jesus Christ. Not everybody can go. Not everybody wants to go, but everybody can be a part of what's going on. I was talking with two men right after the service this morning, and one of them whispered in my ear and said, I'll, I'll sponsor so many people. And the other one, without even hearing it, said, I'll do three times whatever he said. I looked back at the other guy, and I said, would you up your number? Because we could really, this thing could go out the roof pretty fast. But you see, the message of multiplication is the message of the kingdom. God knows what we'll do. I look back and think, what would happen if we didn't start the church? We didn't have the crusade in Peru. In, in Peru. What would happen if we, if we didn't see miracles? What would happen? What would happen? What would happen? And my mind just kind of runs crazy with opportunity of what we could do. I see these kids up here. If you got here early and you saw the pre-show, and, and the kids were up here and they're going to perform tonight, but I watched them and I thought, I wonder which one of them. I wonder which one of them will stand for Jesus so strong that the world will take notice. And if I invest in that kid who goes to that prayer wall or learns things about prayer that I've never known, I'm still moved by the Ford family and their, their little girl who went up to the, the, the woman who was diagnosed with lung cancer, put her arms around her, said when she learned she had cancer, she put her arms around her when she's probably six or seven. She said, you will live and you will not die in the name of Jesus. Be healed. What seven-year-old kid does that? Unless they were trained in the ways of the kingdom. Most churches are just equipping kids to glue macaroni on, on paper and try to make it look like Jesus. Our kids are in there worshiping. They're leading their own band. They're going to that prayer wall. They're learning about the kingdom of God. They're so far ahead of us, it's not even funny. We're raising up generations of warriors for the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what we're doing. Generosity comes from heaven to earth. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. It says this, when they saw the star, they rejoiced. They said, this is it. When you see a promise, you ever read a promise in the word of God, and you go, wow, this is it. This is the promise for me. This is a, a word revealed from the word to me. This is it. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house and they, they saw the young child uh, with Mary, his mother, they fell down and they worshiped. The only, the only response that was appropriate when you come into the presence of a king is to fall down and worship. And Daniel had put that 
thought and that seed in their heart of generations before, 700 years prior, that caused the response here. You see, some of the things you're doing today is going to cause a response 100 years from today if the Lord tarries in the lives of people. Some will be your family. Some will be your friends. And look what it has. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Do you realize in that very moment Jesus became extremely rich, maybe one of the richest people in the area? Do you realize that gold, frankincense, and myrrh were the three most valuable commodities on planet Earth, that myrrh was even more valuable than gold? Do you realize he instantly, instantly was catapulted out of common? A lot of people think, oh, the poor Jesus. Poor Jesus was always sufficient because of trust. Everything he needed was provided from above. Do you realize they opened their treasures, not their wallet. They opened their treasures. Why? Because 700 years ago, Daniel spoke into their lives of their, of their fathers, their grandfathers, and their great-grandfathers. Some of the things you're speaking into your kids today, think carefully what you're speaking into them. Will it affect, will it cause others that are generations to come to call, fall down and worship? Will they reach into their treasure chest and pour out forth? What are they going to give? They're going to say, well, boy, I'm going to teach my kid how to be a great athlete. That lasts that long. And I'm not saying you don't do that, but that lasts that long. We're going to get a bigger TV and watch the game together instead of going to church. That lasts that long. When are we going to realize we were not put on planet Earth to enjoy planet Earth, but to change planet Earth, to be powerful, spirit-filled, devil-chasing warriors for God, amen? That's why we're here. We're not called. You know, we had some people say, we know I don't really want to go to that church because you guys are real Christians. I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. What do you mean? Really? Well, you guys like really pray and you fast and you believe and there's miracles and I just want to go to church where I can just kind of, where it's safe. Hey, you know, sometimes it's not safe to be in church when God starts to work. Sometimes when I'm praying for someone that's sick, it's not safe because I don't feel comfortable. I go, God, I just need more faith. I need, to, I need to see this thing on the other side of it. And, and, and yet I know the command of God, heal the sick. Heal the sick. And I just, I'm, getting out in, I'm getting out on thin ice, God. Your word is true. And I'm going to go into the unsafe areas of the world where the kingdom of God flourishes mightily. That's what God's called us to do. I, I, I saw this scripture about the wise man, and it took me immediately to Proverbs eighteen sixteen. It says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Do you realize that somehow they knew in going to this king that they would bring a great gift and it would make room for them? Do you know that there's something to be said when you go to visit someone that you don't know and you bring them a gift? Do you realize they may not like you, but they're going to love your gift? And once they see your heart for the gift, they'll love you? That's what this proverb teaches. It's a business principle, by the way. Let me do something for you before, you do, before I ask you to do something for me. And it made a way. You see, we make a way into the throne room by our devotion to God, and our devotion is poured out in our time and our money and our talents and all of those things that say, Jesus, I really do love you. Let me prove it. Let me prove that I love you. Let me prove that I have faith. Let me just go out on the limb for you, Jesus. Let me be a real Christian for you. Let me sacrifice for you. And then that Psalm 72 will come to play 
in our life, may all the kings fall down before him and all the nations serve him. That's a prophetic verse that says one day every nation, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The things in heaven, the things on earth, and the things under the earth, all will give glory and praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We can start now giving glory to him, giving praise to him, moving the kingdoms for Jesus Christ, seeing the power of God unfold time and time and time again in our life. Amen? Amen. The sign that is the star confirms the promise. When you see something in the Word, that's a promise. That's a sign. It's confirming God is for you and not against you. You might feel insignificant in the kingdom. You say, you know what? I've never taught a class. I can't sing. Never really did anything for God. And God says, let me tell you something. When you pray you move mountains. I don't feel like I move mountains. You don't have to feel them. You don't even have to see them. You just have to pray. Can you imagine one day God says, bring in the scroll. It's got your name on it. And all you can think about it, man, he's got a list of all the bad stuff I did. Oh, no, that's under the blood. And you look on there, and there's names of people. You say, you know, the, and you're looking at list upon list upon list upon list. I don't even know those people. And he says, they know me because of you. You thought you were insignificant on planet Earth. But when you sponsored a kid to go to Peru to change the world, you saw thousands saved, and you didn't even know it. Those of you who will be behind the Peru crusade, one way or the other, you're going to be sitting there in the middle of the end of June, and you're going to be praying, God move, God move mightily. And you're going to hear reports start coming back. 100,000 saved, 200,000 saved, 300,000 saved, a million saved. And you're going to go, your, your spirit's going to leap within you, just like Mary's leaped about the baby. You're going to feel that leap in your spirit, and you go, I was there. I was there in spirit. I was there in power. I don't know about you, that, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what does. To know that you could be a part of someone's eternal soul. The promise extends to generations. There is no generation to where God will not take your promise, your power, your prayers, your money. He will take it to every generation. You'll understand people all over the world have been impacted by you and you alone. And I don't know about you, I like that. I live in a mystery. God, I don't even know. I don't even know, remember some of the people that I pastored early in my ministry. I don't even remember their names. But I look forward to one day standing eternity and find out how all the threads were connected. Amen? Let's stand together as we stand.